Hello, everyone, and welcome to um, the People People's podcast on on uh, the the term BAME and pigments and everything to do with that. Um, I'm joined today by Jane Phoenix and Ariel Mamana. Um, Jane, if you could just introduce yourself quickly. Hi, I'm Jane Phoenix. Um, I work in health and social care and have done for about 35 years. Um, and I'm from um, mixed race extraction, half English, half Caribbean. Thanks, Jane. And Ariel. Hello, good afternoon. My name is Ariel Mamana. Um, I've been working uh, for the uh, NHS for approximately 18 years. Um, my background is um, half Spanish, half Italian, and uh, born in Argentina. Oh, thanks, Ariel. Um, thank you both for joining me today. Um, as I said, we're going to be discussing the terminology BAME because it's been hot in the headlines lately and recently. Um, and so I guess my first question to both of you is, what do you feel when you're described as um, a BAME individual? And I'll come to you first, Jane, if you don't mind. Um, I guess it's like most labels. It only really um, suggests one aspect of who I am. And I think that's the same for a lot of people. Um, I sometimes feel that I kind of don't fit that mix. So am I black? I'm certainly not the Asian part of it. Am I an ethnic minority? Yes, I am. I'm mixed race. So that always puts your foot in several camps. Um, and there is an issue about what those labels mean for our identity. Um, I think this is a kind of, the, the issues about labels are, are really difficult because I don't want to be as an individual and most of my colleagues wouldn't want to be defined by one of those labels. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, Ariel, what are your what are your thoughts? Um, my my perspective is, is, is uh, to some extent, I think it's quite similar to uh, what Jane has just said. Um, it's just been labelled that that is the, uh, the the feeling of being called Bane. Um, and also, um, I think it's important to highlight that um, there are many people out there who don't really understand the meaning of those words. They, you know, if you have to break it down, you ask them what, what that means, and they wouldn't be able to describe it. Um, and I have also found out in the last year or so, speaking to uh, colleagues and friends, is that some people actually feel quite uncomfortable uh, using that word, uh, which is quite interesting, particularly those who don't feel themselves part of the um, BAME group. They, they feel quite uncomfortable to, to, to utilize that word. Uh, when describing uh, either a colleague, a friend, uh, a relative. Um, so I, I think, you know, it's, it's the word, it, it just like, it doesn't quite encompass the, 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 the big range of um, different races and, and backgrounds that we have um, going, you know, in, in this area where, you know, ethnic backgrounds are all mixed. Mm. Um, so yeah, that that is how I feel. And if I'm if I'm uh, told you you are a, a BAME or a BAME, I actually sometimes I feel I might <laughs> I might really part of that group. Um, yeah. So yeah, that that is how I feel. Thanks, Ariel. Yeah. So as as we know, BAME is is an acronym, isn't it, for Black, Asian, 
minority ethnic, isn't it? Um, so is that sort of effectively a catch-all for everything that's not Caucasian? What do you think, Ariel? Yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, interestingly, um, not too long ago, we, we had to, we were given a task to translate uh, um, a couple of, you know, we were sort of with a COVID initiative trying to persuade uh, different communities into, um, you know, um, having the, the COVID vaccine. Mm -hmm. And um, some of the translations that I was doing into, like, for example, from, from English to Spanish, actually realised that some of the terms, they don't quite fit when you uh, translate them. Yeah. Um, so, for example, we're talking about Asian um, community. What is perceived here in the United Kingdom is, is quite different. So if you go to Spain, how um, when you talk about Asian, what people would think about. So here, you know, if you go to Spain, um, Asian is more what in the United Kingdom would be Oriental. Mm -hmm. um, so that is why it's important that um to 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 say that perhaps the word bane sometimes it doesn't quite fit all the criteria uh, because it might actually fit here in the united kingdom for certain people but then for those people from different cultural backgrounds it might actually fit there and i you know like uh, when you read the, the word in and you just described what bane means mm. i personally i'm not too sure whether i'm <laughs> with uh, Spanish or Latino or Latin background, whether they actually I fit in it. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with that. I think um, if we look at it as sort of a catch-all for everything that's not white, um, it's almost a catch-all that nobody can identify with. Is, is, is that correct, Jane? Or what are your thoughts? I, th I think that's possibly true. I think for some people it's off-putting because they think things like um, like I chair um, a, a two staff BME forums. And um, the trouble with that is trying to persuade people that it's of interest to them if they don't feel they fit the black or the Asian mm. label is one thing. So you might say, well, you do, do you fit the other? I think also this idea that it's catch-all for all non-Caucasian, non-white, what is that? What is a non-white person? <laughs> so I have, a, I have a daughter who is by virtue of me being half Caribbean, she's a quarter Caribbean. Um, she looks a lot like me, except she's very fair skinned, um, mm. but she considers herself to be mixed race. Um, so, so, you know, we have to be quite careful about when we're making assumptions about even the term non-white, um, mm. because there are several people, and Ariel's just, just expressed it, where actually that means again, something different to different people. We live in a global society, and actually the terms are different and if you just look at us three and where we where our backgrounds are from I'm sure if we looked at our experiences growing up all of those terms would have been different mm. so I think it's been used as a catch-all but I think the catch-all that it's developed as has become almost exclusive in itself um, and it it debars thinking about the wider whole of what a person is mm -hmm. so back to me for identity I'm not just a mixed race person I'm also a woman I'm also an occupational therapist I'm also a manager I'm also a miniaturist I'm also a you know I could go on um and there's a real issue with labeling mm -hmm. where we begin to sort of almost um reduce people to the sum of that label so it's quite reductionist for me as well um, but my biggest concern is that when we use any label 
and then the question is what do we use instead um, when we use any label we both exclude certain people um, potentially whether that's their perception or the perception of the people using the labels um, but we're also actually missing looking at a whole person whole people individuals Absolutely. yeah i completely agree with that and you almost read my mind just then because um the question does become what do you use to identify people then in that scenario because like you said it's similar with me in my own situation um being married to a nigerian man i have four children two of them look very mixed race and two of them look very fair-skinned and could pass as caucasian and people often think that they are and it's it's but but I wouldn't identify them that way my husband wouldn't identify them that way they wouldn't identify themselves that way so it sort of becomes a question of how do you identify as a person yourself but then also it, it becomes how how should should people refer to these groups of of people because conscious that very much as a as a Caucasian person myself we don't want to reduce anybody to to the most easily identifiable traits that they possess but at the same time we don't want to disregard their history and their backstory and everything else that goes along with it um so what are your thoughts on labels going forward should they exist should they not exist should it just be a personal choice ariel i'll come to you first it's, it's a quite difficult um argument because both sides that some people don't want to be labeled and at the same time, we need to identify for uh, statistical reasons. Uh, organizations do require to to identify the um, numbers of people, so 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 we can ensure, therefore, um, uh, equality and diversity. Uh, for example, in the workplace, in in our working in uh, organization. So, is how do you label that? Because one is how people feel. And and we if we I think at the end of the day if we put the wrong label on them it's perhaps worse or more offending than perhaps ask them how they self classify us perhaps that will be an answer to it but at the same time I do identify that there is a, a necessity for um, for some kind of identification so we we can keep the statistics and we can we can ensure that um, equality and diversity is maintained and the numbers of people are um, ratio in, in, a, in a favorable and inclusive manner. So it is, a, it is rather a big question. I, I would rather have some kind of reasoning behind where it gives some freedom to people to self-identify to some extent, rather than having to, these are the boxes that you have, you have to take one of them. Yeah, and funny enough, I don't fit into those boxes myself because the boxes are often white British or white Irish and I'm neither of those either. So it is an interesting one, isn't it? And we're not going to, to be able to include every possible iteration of what a person's um, heritage is and ethnicity is. Um, but Jane, what do you think about identifying, labeling, et cetera, going forward? It's a really difficult one. I think labels have their place. So, um, the use of labels to identify a group that has some commonality is helpful, particularly where um, people are experiencing something that's common to them. So let's take racism as an example, not the only example, but let's just take that as an example. Um, so there may be some commonality in having a label that helps people to see that there is a group of people 
that they can identify with, work with, to pursue a, a, a common goal um, where they might feel that they are the only other people that would understand that experience of racism, for example, or the impacts of racism on education or, or something like that. So I think labels have a place. I think the, the, the real difficulty is how we use those labels. So saying you have a, a, a group with a name like BAME may be one thing, but I think you have to be quite clear, um, perhaps when people join, when you're, when you're discussing it, that, that what you mean by that so, that, so that those that are in that group, whatever that group might be, wherever that group is, understand that that term isn't exclusive. I think in an ideal world, I'd love for us all to just drop labels. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, the society that we live in requires us to have some levels of labels or stratification in order to deal with some specific topics. Um, and, you know, one of the things that's happened through the most recent report is, for example, apparently part of that was a survey where it was identified that it might be better to drop the term BAME or BME. Um, and certainly I've been involved in lots of debates about that. Um, and one of the latest thinking is, well, should we start going to the term ethnic minority? Well, is that any better? It's just another label. Um, right. You know, some people see minority as pejorative. Yeah. I personally don't, because minority means technically there are less of, yeah. and that's fine. But some people say that it makes them feel as though they are less of than other people. So, you know, whichever label you go to is going to have some problems. But we do need some kind of label categorization in order to actually be able to work together. Um, what do we say instead? We're group X who work for these common goals. I, I don't, I guess there's no easy answer, really. Yeah, I, I think I'd like to tackle that one in two parts if I can. The <clears throat> the first part being around how you how you identify when, particularly to your earlier point, Jane, around the fact that if we look back in people's ancestry, it could be a mixture of anything, really. So, so do we get to a point where everybody's ticking mixed race <laughs> on that form? And then, what does that mean? And and is it is it how you identify or the race or the ethnicity <clears throat> or the heritage that you identify the most with in that case? And then, secondly, why? What is driving that need for that identification? What is driving the need for that label? Is it around um, things like recruitment and attraction? Is it around things like ensuring that we don't have um, white supremacists running the NHS or other organizations? What, what is the driving force behind that? I'll, I'll come to you first, Ariel, and then I'll come back to you, Jane. I, uh, well, I think one of the main core reasons is to ensure that everyone has got Everyone has a fair opportunity uh, to um, any role within um, an institution or organisation. I mean, in this case, it could be the NHS. In fact, to ensure that we are actually fair and equitable uh, with everyone, I think that is probably the, 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 the reason for which we do that, to ensure that um, they're not uh, biases, they're not um, inconsistencies out there, that might be due to, um, you know, to race. Um, so I think that that is the main reason for which we, we, we do what we do. Now, 
do we achieve to actually having that process in place? Do we actually um, achieve the goals that we are expected to? Or is it just to say these are the number of people that we have in these organisations within this pay group uh, and we, we, we need to improve or we need to, to uh, do better in that aspect? But, you know, that is, that is the thing that sometimes we get consumed in numbers and statistics. And if we do, uh, if we don't place actions behind those statistics, then what's the point of having all these uh, numbers and, and groups? Uh, so I think, I think we, we need to think about that. So if we are going to generate information in terms of um, BAME or any other aspects, I think it's important that then there is something done about it so we can, we can, we can achieve changes. And, and that is perhaps the difficulty that many organisations encounter is that they, they see what's, what's happening based on the information that uh, is being generated, but they don't really know how to go about and to produce the changes that then it, it makes you wonder uh, why having all that information. Uh, so one is that, and the other one is, is um, something that I do notice from, from some of my colleagues is that I, in my perception, uh, in, in my understanding what BAME is, so I have come across with colleagues that I would personally classify as BAME, but it becomes quite clear to me when I try to, um, in a very friendly and uh, you know kind way, I try to instigate a conversation about the topic, I realise that they don't want to know, they don't want to be classified as such, they, they probably feel a, li a little bit fearful that they will be placed then in a box. Mm -hmm. And like what Jane was saying, um, by being classified as ethnic minority is somehow that they will feel that they're being less. So that, those are the, the, the matters and those are the concerns that being classified within a group, does that make you even more at risk of being discriminated against? So, As in, are, are we about. causing the problem that we're trying to prevent? That kind of thing. Jane, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I would. I think I would agree that I've certainly come across people who, who I would think um, would see themselves in that group and certainly do not want to or do not. Um, bit of both, sometimes just don't, sometimes don't actively do not want to. And I think one of the reasons is a fear, but I think another reason is that people don't want to be labeled. They want to just see themselves as themselves. Mm -hmm. um, in the same way that they, those people are also less likely to join, say, um, a woman's group, um, because also they don't necessarily want to define themselves by by that. So not everybody, but I, you know, I have seen good examples of that. So I think there is, in all of these things, there's an element of choice mm -hmm. um, as to how people identify themselves and how they want to or don't want to. Um, be referred to by those labels or be part of organizations or groups that use those labels. Um, I think I think there's a real difficulty if we change labels I don't think it adds anything. Um, whichever label we use for for any of these things is going to offend somebody who's either sees themselves as within that group label or sees themselves outside of that group level whatever we use is not right. For me 
um, it's about understanding whichever label we use, what we mean by it. So for me, the label is only a form of giving a group a name. And I think Ariel put it very well, if there's some shared things such as race and other things that that, that enables you to jointly tackle mm. and people do actually mean it and people do actually act on it, then actually there is some benefit in continuing to have those sorts of labels for groups. Right. What I'm not comfortable with, I think, is those labels for individuals. So I don't want to be seen as a BAME person um, because it's such a small part of me. An important part, my cultural identity is very important to me. Am I defined by it? I have been at different points in my life, but it's part of the overall um, things that make me up as a person. Um, but if we don't have the name for groups, how do we say to people, if you're experiencing this, here's a group of people who you can work with, who can support you, who you can help um, join forces to influence another group of people, the majority of people, let's say, um, who might not have that same experience. So how are we going to tell the majority colleagues who, who might be white, they might be mixed, they might be another group, but actually they have got more commonality amongst them. And so they're not clear what this group over here is experiencing. And it's the same for groups, um, other groups, not just around race, LGBT, um, particular women focused groups, um, all sorts of other groups. The other thing I think that's really important is with these labels is very few people fit into one of them. Mm. So um, we talk about having sort of labels for groups and labels for people. It's very unusual to find somebody who only fits into one of those labels we group people under. So, you know, you could be um, BME, older, depending on what definition of older is. Some councils say you're older if you're over 50, so that makes me old. Um, you know, there's a whole raft of things. And, and, and I, I think we have to actually also think when we're using terms and be clear with people that we're not using those terms to define them. We're using those terms to define a commonality in a group of people. Okay. So we must remember that people are individuals and there's a myriad of characteristics that they have that Absolutely. make them unique. Absolutely. Yeah. So when we're thinking as the people, people, which are HR and, and people managers in terms of things like staff networks, do we need to then rename all of our staff networks as, um, I don't know, minority networks or, or is it, is, is it okay the way that it is because it's defining the group? What do you think, Jane? I think for me, it defines the group. And I think um, any label that you use, nobody's going to be comfortable with, with um, the same labels. And I've been involved in several groups over many years where we've had this discussion about, do we want to call ourselves the BME group, the BAME group, the ethnic minority group? I've also been in the public sector long enough um, that we've gone through cycles of different terminology we use. Yeah. And I think I've hit the point, and maybe it's because I have been through those cycles, where I think as long as I know what the label's trying to achieve, that's more important than what the label is. Um, and as long as I understand that the label isn't being applied to me as an individual, it doesn't define me as a person, um, then I can cope with that as a useful term to capture a group where there's some commonality, um, where we have a shared goal. So I think the important thing is actually the shared goal rather than the title. 
So it's it's okay to be part of a BAME group and at the same time hate the terminology when it's referred to, to yourself. For me personally, yes. Yeah. Uh, for me personally, yes, because I can't, I can't, and I have thought about this long and hard over the years, I can't find another way to bring that together. What I can do is when I work with groups or work as part of a group, is mm. be absolutely clear what the terms of reference are. So what our shared goal is. And I have left groups in the past where I felt, well, this is actually more of a group that's actually trying to pressurize things in a, in a not positive way, rather than a group that's trying to work to influence change. Um, so I think for me, the importance is much more being clear what the purpose is and having a positive purpose for change. Thanks, Jane. So Ariel, taking, taking that on board, what Jane has just said, how do we make terminology, <clears throat> excuse me, more inclusive and less exclusive? Is it, is it just defining the fact that it's, it doesn't define you as a person, it defines the group that you're associated with? Or is it something else that we've missed? No, I, I mean, I, I think it's on reflection, it's, it's very difficult to find the right terminology because um, for certain groups, because it might fit the criteria, might, it might fit the criteria for one individual, but not for the other. So I think what we need to think is in terms of what just Jane said, I think we need to uh, think in terms of what, what we want to achieve, what are the, the, the aims, the goals of uh, the terminology itself in order to, um, for the greater good. So what we have the network, I think is important. Uh, the terms of reference is important, why, why they exist. And it's important for people to know the reason for which they, uh, the, the networks exist. So in terms of definition, it will be a, a never ending, I, I from my personal perspective, I, I would think that it will be extremely hard to find the right term that fits everyone. Because mm. again, we, then we fall ourselves into a group of trying to categorize people into different boxes. And yeah. um, so I would leave that more open to people to, to, to decide. Uh, perhaps I think there is a need for more flexibility on the box ticking exercise. And I think when you look at, um, particularly from the HR perspective, um, you apply for a job and, and uh, they, in terms of race, they tell you, what the groups are. And I think that, that there is probably a formal definition in which this has got to be done. And there is a formal process of, in terms of the, the list of um, different ethnic backgrounds that need to be there or have to be there. But I think that there is room for um, to add a few more that are not listed there. Perhaps it's something that um, whoever um, is in, in those groups to, de to decide I think there is room to, to make that list a little bit bigger mm. and more flexible. Uh, so that is from one side. In terms of the network, I think it will be difficult to, to have a proper definition of it. I think the goal, the end goal is what it, what it matters for, for the actual network. And, and it's, you know, organizations who have a network and they have an active network, they, are, they, they have actually benefited from it. Is, is undoubtedly uh, a positive uh, thing to have in an organization. Yeah, I agree. So when we go back to the reasons behind um, making that identification, 
Um, and you touched on it briefly, Ariel, when you were talking about recruitment and filling in your application forms and things like that. Will we ever get to a point where everything is equitable and we don't need to identify these things anymore? Um, I mean, things have come on leaps and bounds, haven't they, since last summer and, and everything that happened. And I think people are much more educated than they ever were. There's a long way to go, don't get me wrong. There's a hell of a long way to go. But I think, I, I don't know, I, I just, it, it just makes me question whether or not we'll ever get to that point where we can say, right, everything is equitable and we look at everybody in the same way and we don't need to use these labels anymore. What are your thoughts, Jane? I was hoping you wouldn't come to me first because that's a really <laughs> tough question. Um, I would love to think that at some point we will get to something that's equitable. Um, I don't think it will be in my lifetime. I think there are, um, there have been changes over the last year and there's been a lot of attention again um, as a result of the um, vulnerability issues around COVID. However, we've been there before where there's been more attention, particularly to race issues. And then it kind of goes off the agenda. Um, so we have periods in which national policy and focus actually supports those agendas for those of us pursuing those agendas, um, but they don't seem to have last, lasted. And um, I'm minded of last week, I watched with my daughter a documentary about racism in universities, for example. Um, and I was listening to some stories um, as part of that documentary. And I was thinking the world appears to have moved on and we think things are much better. And I think generally they are. But some of those stories were stories that, you know, I, I remember myself and others experiencing 30 plus years ago. And so I kind of also see that whilst there's a lot of change and a lot of very positive change, there are pockets where things have almost changed and then changed for the worse again. And some of that's about world events. So in a global world, I would like to think we'd get further because our societies become more multicultural, multiracial. However, things like COVID could also have a negative impact on that. We're not going to travel as much as we did. Will, will that actually have an impact? Um, Whenever we have something major happen, if we think of some of the big disasters, 9-11, there was a real kickback after that um, to particular races because of association with one person who was a bad person, not because of their race, their color or their beliefs, um, but because of what they did. But that did have a knock-on effect for certain people. Um, and we've had other examples of that as well. Um, so, I think I agree with you, things have changed enormously. Um, I think whilst we always have divisions and whilst we still have geopolitics, we will still always have some, some issues around race. Um, it's not only race though, is it? We still have issues around other differences as well. Absolutely. Other areas that people find minorities. So some countries are more or less um, age aware um, you know, if you live in certain Asian countries, um, being older and the older you are is seen as being the most experienced and comes with it a lot of kudos and, and support. Um, in other countries, you, there is a tendency to sort of 
start to ignore people's experience to move towards babying people you know so it's a really good example of the, the differences um and again i think there's something there for us about we, we've also got to sort of not think about the one agenda but look at where all things are a challenge and try and get to a point where we treat everybody equally mm. perhaps yeah. we part of our role should perhaps be modeling that agreed thank you jane ariel your thoughts on that one um yeah it's interesting uh, we're talking about treat everyone equally i think that is probably the, the, the end goal and will race will this discussion of race will ever end i, I think not not in my perhaps not in my time so i think race is, is been a discussion and if you look in the history of the world there have been wars because of race um so it's a very difficult one but we do acknowledge that race uh, nowadays is everything is merging because um people being able to travel uh, people being able to go and see other cultures, uh, it was more accessible to, to everyone where uh, in previous generations it, it was uh, um, quite a luxury to be able to do that. So um, now COVID has actually put a little bit of um, 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 a hurdle there because uh, people can uh, at the moment uh, travel very freely and and is, is that, in, that, that will probably change again the, the way in which we do things. Uh, not only with traveling, but many other things. So we, we have to wait and see because um, we, we will probably see the, the effect of this uh, in years to come. So it will be financial, economical, cultural. So we have to adjust ourselves to those changes uh, in the future. So race will be there, but I think it's, I think the core in from from uh, from our perspective, if we have to utilize the project. An approach in, in HR will be about being equitable, uh, treat treat people fairly. Um, you know, we, we need to be careful of other things uh, that they are included in race, which is age, um, gender. Yeah, of course. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, it will be there. It will be there. Perhaps we need to look at what the well is, which way the, the well, uh, which turn the well is taken. Uh, we, we have to be acutely aware that there are countries where, unfortunately, the far right has actually increased, and, and that that brings problems with race and yeah. and uh, gender inclu and inclusiveness as well in general. I think. Um, so I think yeah, I think the the subject, the topic, will be there for years to come. I think I agree. I agree with both of you. Thank you, Ariel. I agree that I think as long as we have things that make us easily identifiable to other people, that will always be the focus. Um, whether that be race, whether that be gender, whether that be ability, disability, whether that be, um, uh, I don't know, uh, gay, lesbian, whatever else it is. I think as long as people are able to point to us and say that person who is X, it will always be an issue. Um, and we're coming a long way in terms of things like gender equality. I think we have a long way to go with the other thing, with the other sort of things that make us different. Yeah. Um, but I think, uh, I suppose my last question to each of you is, what are some things, just, just a couple of things that we can do, either as people who are in um, minority groups or as people such as myself who are allies, 
what can we do to make things that much better and, and keep the focus on, on these important issues? I'll come to you first, Jane. Um, I think, and it kind of goes along with labeling. One thing that I think is quite important that we need to try and get people to both think, feel, and use the language of is the language of inclusivity. So instead of saying we will do this for people, including <laughs> me people, these people, these people, let's just understand the term all. Right. So let's start to say all, but behind the scenes, let's be looking to make sure those people are included through things like our equality impact analysis. Let's get to a point where we're using language that covers everybody, but know that that society isn't equal at the moment. And so we've got to be conscious behind that because whilst I've said, I think it's hard to get away from labeling. I do have a concern that our language, our general language that we use day to day is not inclusive. Um, and I think we could go a long way by just changing some of that and paying attention to that in our day to day interactions, in policy documents, in strategy documents, um, so that people start to think, oh, and I think that's going to be one of the biggest ways we can influence people moving forward. Um, so all means all. Right. Thanks, Jane. Ariel, your thoughts? Uh, for me, um, I think what we need to start, we need to um, so top to top, walk the walk, as they say. I think we need to, we need to ensure that in every part, for example, within an organization, we look at policies, processes, procedures. We, we have to be very inclusive. So we have to ensure that those groups, normally working groups are part of uh, the making of policies, the making of procedures, the, 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 um, the usage and improvement of uh, recruitment policies, etc. And I think we need to ensure that those groups are well diverse, that we have representative from, from each area um, and, and I think that is a way, and also we need to demonstrate that we do that, because if we do that, that, that we don't share it, then, then there is a perception um, who people, you know, for people who might not be able to, to look into how those working groups are being formed, uh, to, to say, well, I've been, perhaps I've been, um, you know, fairly treated, uh, there's an inequality here. And, it, and some organizations are actually trying to, to, to increase the diversity and to have diverse groups or diverse working groups out there. But we need to be able to demonstrate that. And I think we need to demonstrate that. We need to evidence that uh, when, uh, you know, if there's any, any uh, goodness done in terms of diversity, we need to ensure that every part of the organization knows that that is what we're doing and that is what the values of um, the organization is. And I, I think needs to be, we need to be proud of that. We need to encourage that. And I think that is the way to, that is the way to start um, increasing the, the, the you know, diversity in the workplace. It's evidence and there is some research out there clearly suggesting that a diverse workforce is, is, uh, is more productive, is, um, um, they've got a vision Mm -hmm. and, and I think that it, going forward in the future, I think um, is to the interest of organizations to ensure that there is diversity there. Absolutely, I could, I could not agree more. Diversity wins in every scenario. Could I just add to that, Mel? I think that um, the three of us here will work in the sort of public sector. 
And um, I think as well as actually looking at our workforces, there's also a responsibility to the communities we work with. So we work, work in a sector that has very, very high overall, not just in the individual organisations, but overall massive um, number of employees, um, therefore has a massive footing itself in local communities. And there's a lot we can do in terms of modelling behaviours and using things like inclusive language, not only in the workplace, but within our lives. So not letting people get away with um, inappropriate use of language outside of work, not just in work, um, challenging people, modelling good behaviour, modelling understanding and consideration of other human beings. Mm -hmm. um, because actually we do, we, we do, we are all people as well as parts of workforce or whatever our role is in the workforce. And so if we can influence that, you know, through our own families, through our neighbours, through all of those things, um, then actually, you know, we, we might want change, but if we're all affected by these issues, we need to actually be prepared to actually influence that change as well. And for me, part of my life responsibility is to be able to actually hope that future people try and aim that future, in the future people have different experiences more positive and inclusive experiences than we might have had at different points in our lives or through our families or, or through other circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's not just people, random people out there that you need to be challenging. It's the people who are closest to you as well. Um, I, I think the thing that surprised me the most in the last year um, since um, everything sort of kicked off with George Floyd was how many people I was very, very close to uh, who have very, very different views than I do. And it, it never came out before, you know, it, it wasn't something that I realized or, or appreciated before. And it is, it, it is about gently and kindly calling those people out. Absolutely, completely agree with that. Um, thank you both for your time today. I'll come to Ariel first for closing remarks and then to you, Jane. Thank you. Um, in terms of equality and diversity, I think there is a lot of work to be done. Um, uh, you know, I think we need to obviously we need to try to compare ourselves with perhaps other countries, and if we compare ourselves with other countries, actually, we we have to remain positive. Um, we we're not doing too badly. I think we need to remain positive. We need to work together in partnership with different groups and ensure that diversity is there in the, in the right place in the right moment, and and to work for that to work for those values. I think that that is that is same as climate change and other items that are being incorporated in today's agenda, uh, how the world is looking, we need to ensure that that is the way forward, working together in partnership with different organisations, different groups, ensuring that um, equality and equity is there and be able to demonstrate that. So for that, I'm happy to, 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 to share and to support um, anything that is working towards that goal. Thank you. Thanks, Ariel. I appreciate it. Jane? Um, well, first, thanks to you for organising this and for giving us to the opportunity to join you in this discussion, um, which has been really interesting and exciting. Um, for me, I think the thing I'd like to just have at the end of this is that understanding of um, being inclusive and not exclusive for everybody. Um, remembering that as human beings, we're not one dimensional, we're not one thing, we're a collection of characteristics, um, thoughts, beliefs, um, we're individuals, we're, we're, we're rounded individuals and none of us can be reduced to 
to being a label around one thing. Um, and finally, I think it's really important that we use all opportunities to actually promote that and understand that and remember the individual at the heart of this mm -hmm. and, and continue to, to use experiences and, and opportunities to promote inclusion and diversity um, as a positive thing. As Ariel very well just, just, just said earlier, there is actually very sound evidence um, that if your workforce reflects the diversity of your community, even things like your actual clinical outcomes will improve, which is very powerful. And that's because of things like recognizing symptoms and different skin colors. That's because of things like feeling more comfortable with somebody from a similar background. That's because the person themselves the patient, the member of the family is also wondering about, are they going to be excluded because the person in front of them is different to them? So I think we have to think about this in all senses, um, not only in workforce, but in terms of how we deliver our services to patients and how we function as members of the community. Thank you, Jane. Um, very, very well put. Um, thank you both for joining me. It's been very enlightening. It's been very interesting. You've given me a lot to think about, and I'm sure everybody else who, who watches this will have a lot to think about as a result of this. Um, to everybody watching, join us next time. Uh, our next podcast will be around traditional versus uh, servant leadership. Uh, thank, thank you all. See you soon. Bye. Bye.